Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for our time together and that during our time together, we have sensed your Holy Spirit. We have sensed your power, your presence. And we pray that that would continue during this time when we open up your word. We pray that revelation from the throne of God would be ours and that you would speak to us. And I pray that you would enable me to speak words that would come from you and that you, Holy Spirit, would say more than I do. And pray that each one of us would have hearing ears today. And I pray in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. We're beginning today what we've done for a couple of years. We, for some reason, weren't able to do it last year. But we're going to begin today doing a summer series of the Psalms. Um, I had a list of the ones that we've done so far. There's probably 20 or 25 that we have gone through. Uh, all of those are available on the podcast. All of them are available on YouTube in the videos. Um, and, but I thought, but I, for some reason last year we missed, but, uh, 20 and, uh, not, uh, 2021, we did the, the Psalms and last year we didn't anyway. Today I want to start just, and there's no, there's no, um, consecutive order with this. There's no, uh, we just, I, it's just however I feel like the Lord leads me. And today we're landing on Psalm 103, if you want to uh, turn to that. Uh, the last one we did, I believe, was Psalm 100. Um, but uh, we're going to look at this. I've entitled this psalm today, Bless the God of Steadfast Love. And uh, it's, it's interesting that much of what we have sung today has uh, prepared the foundation for what God says in this psalm for us today. There's a reason that David mentions God's steadfast love four times in this psalm. And we'll identify those as we go through. As a matter of fact, in the English Standard Version, which is what I'll be reading from today, the word steadfast love is seen 191 times referring to God. You might get the impression that God wants us to know that he's a God of steadfast love. And much of what the Scripture speaks of him is that he's a God of steadfast love. This psalm reminds us of who God is and what his involvement with us means. I must say that the majority of the Christian life that we, that we live is if we're going to uh, uh, be positive and be successful in our Christian life and do what God wants us to do, it will involve knowing, not just knowing God, although that's the, that's the top button in the top hole of the shirt, but knowing who God is, knowing his ways. We'll deal with that in a moment. And if you want to, if you want to have a successful, powerful, victorious journey in Jesus Christ, you need to know the God whom you're serving. You don't need to just know about him. You don't need to just know the religious trappings that surround Christianity. You don't need to have 1,500 bumper stickers on your car. I mean, unless that was, it might take that to hold it together. I don't know how bad off your car is. 
all of that's great, but if it's not rooted in who God is, who is this God? And how can I get to know him? Well, this is one way. This psalm also is a graphic portrayal of how much higher and different our God is from us. And I hope we get to see that too, um, that the greatness of God is not necessarily the smallness of us, but our size compared to him, our impact, our effect compared to his. I mean, then we become grasshoppers. Psalm 103, verse 1, and I uh, I don't know who I was talking to earlier, but I still need my glasses to read this giant print. Maybe Carrie. Uh, If you'd stand while I read these, if you cannot stand for 22 verses, I certainly understand. And this is not a rule or a law. It's just something we do. It begins this way. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquities, and we've talked about this today. Who heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from the pit. Who crowns you with steadfast love. That's the first one. And mercy who satisfies you with good, so that, we'll come back to that, so that, your youth is renewed like the eagle's. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. And he made known his ways to Moses and his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. That's the second one. He will not always chide or strive or wrangle with you, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins. Aren't you glad about that? I am. Yeah, you are too. Nah, he, nor repay us according to our iniquities, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his, there's the third one, his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. And as the father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame and he remembers That we are dust as for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field for, for the wind passes over it and it's gone and its place knows it no more. But here it is. The steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, O you his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers who do his will. And bless the Lord, all his works in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. You can be seated. You could almost dismiss right there. And somebody said, I sure wish you would. It's all right. The restaurants hadn't opened yet. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Now, for those of you who have a tendency to talk to yourself, you know who you are. For those of you who find yourself talking to yourself, somebody said, as long as you don't answer yourself, you're doing pretty good. But I've seen some of you. 
answer yourself too. So this is your song. <laughs> this is your verse. Cause this verse one is, is an example of self summoning self to praise God. He says, bless the Lord. Oh, my soul. So he's talking to himself. Matter of fact, the, the Christian standard Bible there says, soul, bless the Lord. My soul, bless God. In other words, he's talking to himself. How many understand sometimes we have to do that? We have to say self. It's also self reminding self of the fact that all of life must be referred to God's goodness. All of life is rooted in and defined by God's goodness. The word bless in here, and of course it's repeated several times in this passage and others. Word bless is a word that means to kneel. To kneel in deference and adoration. You know, God does not need you to bless him. You need to bless him. He's not, he's not blessing deficient. He doesn't need to go to the hospital and get an IV of blessing because he's missing some. But you and I need, say need. We need to bless him. And it's not just something we say, as you see in the definition. It's to kneel. Now that's not always to kneel physically. That's obviously, but it's a whole posture. What is your posture before God? Is it in your heart? If are you kneeling in deference and adoration? I can tell you that your life will go a whole lot better if you are. He said, and all that was in, is within me. Of course, we always use this for uh, when we say a blessing over our food after we have begun to eat. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. That was funny when I said it the first time, but uh, <laughs> and what that really means is, with every bit of the constitution that comprises who I am, with every fiber of who I am, with everything that makes up who I am, I bless His holy name. Not just my mouth. I bless his holy name. And, and I want to tell you that your perspective, when you do that, when you have a posture of kneeling and adoration, deference, when you have a posture that every, every fiber of your being is blessing the name of God, your perspective on life will change. And you will see things. Your, your circumstances may not change at all. But how you see them. Remember Psalm 73? Asaph said, man, I'm mad. Everybody else gets blessed. All these, these heathen over here, they get new cars and new houses and all this stuff. And I haven't got anything and I've served God my whole life. And I'm just, I'm upset. And you know, I'm paraphrasing. <laughs> By the way, that is Psalm 73 is one of them that we did before it is available. But, and in verse 17 of that chapter, it says, until, everybody say until, until, until I, Entered the sanctuary. Then I understood. And what is the sanctuary except God's presence? Until I had a, an attitude adjustment. Until I, my posture 
caused me to see something differently. And that's what the psalmist is saying. Psalm 104, we're not, most people don't think that's a psalm of David. They're pretty confident that 103 is a psalm of David. Uh, you, these guys are really good, these experts, because some of them say neither of them are David, and some of them say both of them are David, and some of them say one's, I can tell you one thing, I know this for absolute sure, both of them are done by the Holy Spirit. Amen. Psalm 104 begins, bless the Lord, O my soul, O Lord my God, you are very great. You're clothed with splendor and majesty. You stretch out the starry curtain of the heavens. This is a big God. Bless the Lord. And then forget not all his benefits. Lord, help me not to spend a lot of time here. But if, you, if you'll put your finger or a piece of paper there and turn back to uh, Deuteronomy 8. And, of course, some of you, it's just a matter of flipping a screen uh, to get to Deuteronomy 8. But I want you to see this. Uh, Deuteronomy 8, and we're just going to read, as you see on the screen, actually I'm going to read a little more than what it says, but uh, just don't throw things at me. Uh, chapter 8, verse 7, it says, For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks, of water, fountains, and springs, flowing out into the hill, valleys and hills. And then he goes through uh, uh, describing wheat, barley, pomegranates, olive trees, honey, all of the things that's going to be great. Verse 10, And you shall eat and be full... And you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. But here's what he, here's what happens. Verse 11. Take care lest you forget. Take care lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his rules and his statutes, which I command you today. Uh, James referenced the, the, the time when Jesus said, many will say, Lord, Lord, we've done all this great stuff. And, uh, Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. He didn't say, if you love me, you'll do miracles. Or if you love me, you'll cast out demons. He said, if you love me, you'll do what I say. Lest when you have eaten and are full and have built good houses and live in them, and when your herds and flocks multiply and your silver and gold is multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, that's a pretty good deal, isn't it? (coughs) Then your heart be lifted up and you forget the Lord your God. And here's where that leads to. Look at verse 17. Beware, lest you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. We forget his benefits. We forget that if, that one one verse in the New Testament says, whatever you have came from the Lord. Now, I know we work. We work hard. That's a kingdom thing to do. We collect a paycheck, and we go buy more than our paycheck was. And uh, we do that. But let me tell you, whatever you have, whatever you have gained, you got it because God gave it to you. He said, and, and I can't spend a lot of time on these, uh, especially since we took up so much time worshiping God today. My goodness. But I hope you don't have anything in the oven. But anyway, he says he forgives iniquity. He heals all our diseases. See, we forget. Don't forget that. This, one of the reasons we do this every two Sundays, every every two weeks, is, the reason we do this is because we do not want to forget. He said, as often as you do this, 
Well, that's the offering there, so I'm not going to leave that alone. The communion. We do that every week. (laughs) He said, as often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me. Don't forget that he heals our diseases. Don't forget that he forgives our iniquity. He goes on, he says, he redeems your life from the pit. Boy, now we've heard so many people today talk about the pit. Now, you know, you say, my life is the pits. Well, that's kind of what we're talking about. But whatever you are in or whatever you have been in that you have a hard time getting out of, that's the pit. And if you'll let him, God will get you out of that pit. He redeems your life. He crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. He crowns you. Understand that both of those, the crown of steadfast love and the crown of mercy, you have nothing to do with. (laughs) It's God. God chooses. And and by the way, you say, well, we're going to finish today talking about steadfast love. So we're doing it backwards. I was was standing on my head when I prepared this message. (laughs) So it made me do it backwards. He says, He satisfies you with good. And whatever God does that's good, it means it's beneficial in its effect in our lives. It's beneficial to us. He satisfies you with good. Psalm 107 says, For he satisfies the longing soul and the hungry soul. He fills with good things. May I say to you, that the converse of that is true as well. Those who are not hungry shall not be filled. So the, the, how do you get hungry? Well, you work. I'm just a country boy from northwest Florida, sort of. But I understand that if, if you eat, if you work, you get hungry. And, of course, if somebody said, well, I'm not hungry, I said, do you have to be hungry to eat? I mean, you know, obviously. (laughs) But he fills us. He fills the hungry with good things. He satisfies us with good things. But here's what I want to say to us today. Who is it that determines what is good? You know it's God. We don't make that discernment. We try. Oh, God, this is what I want. This is what I need. You know I need it. I'm not going to name it because it might be something you got or you won't. You know that's what I want. That's what I need. And God says, I'll be the judge of that. Delight yourself in the Lord. And he will give you the desires of your heart. Because (laughs) if you delight yourself in the Lord, your desires become his desires. It's, It's anyway, Lord, help me. I'm chasing too many things here. He says he satisfies you with good so that everybody say so that. So that your youth is renewed like the eagle. And some of us with some white hair are saying, Lord, give me some more of that good. 
I don't know if I said this last Sunday, but we were sitting in the conference in Gatlinburg last week, and I, I sat at the back table with Carrie and important people back there, and I run the overhead like William's doing for me, and uh, somebody came to me at the table, and if you've ever been to the Gatlinburg conference, you'll know what this means. Somebody came to the table and said, I was t- talking about somebody said, you see that guy right there? I said, which one? He said, the one with the gray hair. And, of course, at that conference, 90% of the people there are this color. <laughs> he satisfies you with good, what he determines is good. What he determines will benefit you. And when he does that, it renews your youth like the eagle. And that doesn't mean he, we found the fountain of youth. It means that he gives us strength and vitality and endurance. You know good and well. That someone reveling in the benefits of God can do more, do, be stronger in their, in the constitution of who they are than someone who is outside God's purpose. It says he gives righteousness and justice for all. It says he, verse seven says he makes known his ways. Makes known his ways to Moses, his acts to the children of Israel. If you had a choice, which one would you rather have? I'd rather know God's ways. Too many of God's people only want to see his acts. I believe in miracles. I believe in healing. We've had testimonies today. I believe God still heals. I believe God still uh, does miracles. Uh, Don Portress was telling me just the other day about a, you know, something he saw where God has still raised his people from the dead. But, you know, God determines that. It's not like, I miss my loved one, would you bring them back? It's God determines. I believe all of that. But I also believe that too many people are chasing that stuff. You know, you can draw a crowd if you got something flashy going on, something spectacular. A.W. Uh, uh, a. Tozer said, it's hard to draw a crowd when God's the only attraction. God, he said, make me, verse Psalm 50, 24, 5, 4, 25, verse 4, make me know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. That should be our prayer. If you want to know God, you need to know his ways. What does he do? How does he think? What would he, how would he respond? Exodus, it says, Moses is, they're saying, let me know your ways that I may know you. So that I may find favor in your sight and ways. And then it goes through this thing in verse 8 that he is merciful, he is gracious, he is slow to anger, and he is abounding in steadfast love. And if you will later, or if you're bored, do it now, go to Exodus 34, 6 and 7, you'll see those words again. And that's when God revealed himself to Moses and God said, this is who I am. And he gave this list and it was merciful and forgiving, abounding in steadfast love, slow to anger. And you see that repeated numerous times in the scripture. And that is God's version of himself. He said in verse 9, he said that he will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. Well, that means he does get angry. He does get angry sometimes, but he doesn't keep it. In God's case, anger does not control him. 
Now, when I get angry, I break things. Not as much now as I was when I was younger, but uh, but when God gets angry, he doesn't break things, except maybe he breaks us and he needs to. But when God gets angry, there's righteousness that's the result. I told the home group not long ago that years ago, probably 40 years ago, I was in a meeting and Brother Charles Simpson preached a message. And, and in the message, he said, if God gets angry and you don't, it's a sin. And, of course, immediately I thought of things like abortion and things that, that we should be angry about. Micah, and of course, if you watch the midweek video this week, uh, and I don't want you to see a show of hands. <laughs> It'll disappoint me. I'll get depressed. <laughs> it says, he does not retain his anger forever because, watch, there's our word again, he delights in steadfast love. This is the God you serve. This is the God who redeems you. Verse 10, it says, He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. That's good news. In verse 12, he teaches us that he, in his steadfast love is incomprehensible. As far as the east is from the west. Do you realize that if you go east... You'll never reach the end. If you get back to where we are here, you're still traveling east. And if you go the other way, you're traveling west. I did that backwards. That's the east, didn't it? This is the west. But anyway, if you travel west and you go all the way around the world and you get back to where you started, you still hadn't found a place to stop because you're still going west. That's how far God has cast your sins. Yeah, that's good news. Verse 14 says he knows our frame. He knows how we are formed. Well, I mean, it's Adam people rubbing their arms. Maybe we need to bump the thermostat a little bit. <laughs> Sandy came up a while ago. She said, that's the first time today I've been warm. <laughs> All those people around her. The reason he knows how you are formed is because he did the knitting. I think last week, maybe, we talked about Psalm 139. It says God, in, in the Hebrew text, it says God knitted you in your mother's womb. So he knows how you're made. He knows you. Now, that's a scary thought. But here's the great news. He knows you. He knows all the mistakes you made, James Owen. And everybody else. And he still loves you. He still cares about you. He's still going to use you for his purpose. Verse 15 is encouraging too. It says, as for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field. For the wind passes over it and it's gone and its place knows it no more. Man's days are like grass. Or as James said, for not James Owen, but James, the brother of our Lord, said, For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. In the grand scheme of things, folks, in the grand scheme of time, your life and my life is just a vapor. Some versions say 
It's just a mist. Psalmist here, David said, our, our days are like grass. It's here, but it'll, then it's gone. I'm not trying to depress you. I'm trying to, Paul wrote, redeeming the time for the days are evil. I'm trying to encourage us that what, what time we do have, whatever that may be, we need to be using it for God's purpose. He says, man's like grass. The wind passes over it. It's gone. His place knows it no more. But I love it when God interrupts. Don't you love God's interruptions? But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him. In other words, there is no end. There is no burning up. There is no expiration of God's steadfast love. It lasts forever. He says the Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. Verse 19. Isn't it great that being God's people is marvelous in that the one who rules over all, he establishes his kingdom over all. That's the one who offers us the privilege of gratefully embracing his rule over our lives. That's the one who extends to us his steadfast love. You remember in those days, if you, most of the kings, especially the kings of pagan countries, but many of the kings of Israel were evil and cruel. And steadfast love would not have been verbiage that you would have used for them. So then we say, great is his steadfast love. Y'all still doing okay? Okay, I know the mind can only endure, retain what the seat can endure. Steadfast love is a word in the Hebrew, and it's translated many times, loving kindness, other other words. We The ESV uses steadfast love. Your version, if you have a different one, it's probably said loving kindness. It is a word that I can't pronounce it right, but it's I pronounce it hesed, or you, some people pronounce it keset. And if we had our friend Avi here today, he could help us with that. But a Jewish person can really pronounce that the right way. I can't. If I tried to pronounce it the right way, you'll think I'm doing something disgusting with my. Anyway, <laughs> leave it alone. I'm going to call it Hesed, and you just stick with me. But it's a. It's, this repeats all through the Old Testament. And then when you get to the New Testament, agape is sort of like the Greek counterpart of Hesed in the Old Testament. It's a word that carries with it the idea of faithful love in action. Faithful love in action. There's the key. Now, I'm going to go through some statements here, and, and, and some of them are mine, some of them are other people. I can't identify all of them. I honestly don't even remember where I got them all. But just Hesed is a persistent and unconditional tenderness, kindness, and mercy. Unconditional is the key word there. And the other word is persistent. God is persistent. You say, well, I did that and God forgot about me. No, he didn't. I did that and God counted me out. No, he didn't. He's persistent. And his love for you is unconditional. So what can I do to make God forget about me? Nothing. You can do nothing to get God to love you any less. And you can do nothing to get God to love you any more. Because his love is not based on you, but based on him. 
Hesed expresses both God's loyalty to his covenant and his love for his people. And then it's, then it carries with it this idea that he is faithful to keep his promises. Again, not because we did anything, but because of who he is. W.E. Vines, I do remember this one. W.E. Vines is a great uh, expository dictionary of, for uh, New Testament, Old Testament words. And he writes this, strength, steadfastness, and love. Any understanding of Hesed that fails to suggest all three of these inevitably loses some of its richness. Love by itself easily becomes sentimentalized or universalized apart from the covenant. And we've done that in our culture. We have butchered the word love in our culture. I mean, TV commercials. You, I love you, man. Well, you're still not getting my Bud Light. Of course, I think today nobody wants Bud Light. I don't know. <laughs> maybe they maybe they ought to try that again. <laughs> love by itself becomes sentimentalized or universalized apart from the covenant. Yet strength or steadfastness without love suggests only the fulfillment of a legal obligation. So, but you put all three together and you get what, who God is, love, steadfastness, and strength. You put all three of those together, that's the Hesed, that's God's character. It, 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 it encompasses deeds of mercy performed by a more powerful party for the benefit of the weaker one. It doesn't take uh, hermeneutics to figure that out, who the more powerful party is and who the weaker one is. The biblical usage of this word usually speaks of someone doing, showing, or keeping hesed. Again, faithful love in action. It implies personal involvement and commitment in a relationship beyond the rule of law. Beyond the obligation. I like this one. It's not merely love, but loyal love. Not, it's not merely kindness, but dependable kindness. It's not merely affection, but affection that has committed itself. Sometimes we talk about sloppy agape and I talk about syrupy love. That's none of this. Some writers feel that the word devotion, the English word devotion, is one of the single best English words one could use to sum up the meaning of the word, Hebrew word hesed. Hesed or kesed, however you say it, is a very difficult word in English because we don't have a word. We don't have a one word that just really communicates God's character. Devotion probably comes closer than some of the ones we've tried to use. The English word devotion describes the state of being ardently dedicated and loyal to another person. Now I want you to see two things as we, uh, as we uh, finish up those readings, I guess. Faithful love in action, persistent, unconditional kindness and mercy expresses God's loyalty to a covenant and his people, strength, steadfastness and love encompasses deeds of mercy performed by a more powerful party than a weaker one. 
so forth. Involvement and commitment, not merely love but loyal love, not merely kindness but dependable kindness, not merely affection but affection that has committed itself. Two things. One, you see who God is. And you see who God is towards you. And this is why you can say, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Because you see this God who has this posture toward you. The second thing is, is we can see a glimpse if we're going to be like God. We can see a glimpse of what God expects from us. And by the way, you can't do that either without his help. But he can't do it without you helping, without you cooperating. He says, I will not contend or strive with you forever. So quit fighting him. I don't know that we've ever sung this song here. This is I'm closing here if you're getting nervous. A song by Bridge City called All That I Am. And I'm just going to show you the words. For all, oh yeah. For all the good things you have done, sins forgiven, love has won. Full of mercy, full of grace, my heart forever sings your praise. And here's the chorus. Let all that I am, all that I am, bless you, Lord, bless you, Lord. Let all that I am bless your holy name. And then the verses, through all the promises you've made, ever faithful, you never fade. Always for us, always for us on our side. My heart forever lifts you high. All the praise, all the praise, it belongs to you. All the praise, all the praise is yours. Let our song, let our song, let it rise to you. Let our song bring you glory, Lord. As Sean said earlier, our response must be to God's goodness, to God's steadfast love. It must be one of praise and adoration and honor. So I'm telling, I'm telling you and I'm telling myself today to bless the Lord, O oh my soul, bless the Lord, O oh your soul, and all that is within you. Bless God. Stand with me. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the entirety of this day, of this time together. And we thank you for uh, honoring us by moving in our midst by your Holy Spirit and touching hearts and lives. And I pray that your word has done what you said it would do, and that is to uh, go to the depths of our being. And that your living and active word would do its work by the, by the power of your Holy Spirit. And I pray today that, uh, as I said earlier, that your, you Holy Spirit, you have said more than I have said, and that you would do your work in our hearts and lives. Uh, as we go out of here, and that that would convert into our being not only more like you, but our being able to know you more, to know you better, that we would understand your ways so that we could follow you and be obedient. And as we go, I pray that everyone go with uh, provision and protection and power and strength and revelation as we go out into society and our various places and our various walks of life. And we carry with us the seed of the kingdom of God. And we pray for opportunity to sow the seed. Thank you for this time together. In the, and I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed.